Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 1st. Never accuse or confront anyone. First, ask him as supportively as possible, did you do it? If he says yes, then ask him, why? Give him the benefit of the doubt. If no doubt exists, respect at least his right to make his own mistakes. Thus he will know you for a supportive friend. And isn't that a consideration you yourself would like from everyone? There's a very, um, what would have to almost be called a cliche, you know, do unto others as you would want to be done unto, as you would want them to do unto you. But it's a very serious and a very real idea, and one that should not be dismissed as merely old-fashioned or anything like that. It's, it's, it's the, the calm realization that we're all in this together. And by this, I mean this experience of human life. You know, there's lots of, of uh, uh, moving sentiments that you see expressed. Be kind to everyone. You never know what battle they're fighting. Don't judge anyone until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. And here's a really interesting one that supposedly was said by the Buddha that uh, you should be kind to everyone you meet in the world because at one time or another, everyone you meet has been close to you. I mean, even just passing on the street. You've been close to everyone. At one time or another, there was another deeper, different relationship that you had with them. That's why you're drawn together again. It's quite something to think about, isn't it? But, but mostly what we want to think about, seriously, do unto others, is... If the situation were reversed, what would help me? You know, not even, not even just what would I want to have happen, but what would help me? And then when, when we look at other people, realize that no matter what kind of bluff and bluster you see earlier in one of these, earlier this year in one of these aphorisms, Swami said something like, sometimes people are so hurt and so wounded that they hide behind a thick wall of, don't mess with me. Swami said, it's just an act. Don't be fooled. And, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for this capacity to, to resonate with people on the level of our shared humanity, on the level of our shared aspiration for happiness, and on the level of our shared confusion as to how to find it. I find it very interesting to contemplate. I mean, it's a, this is such an obvious fact, but it's really something to remember. Everybody has been a baby. Everybody has been a child. You meet some big bruiser of a guy or some, you know, really strong-minded woman and they're all completely in their power and their position. And at one point they were two. And they were just toddling around like all the rest of us with the same sort of wide-eyed expectation Whatever you see in this exterior that somebody has created, all the way down, we're all just the same. We all just go down to the bottom 
in the need for love, in the need for friendship, the fear and the embarrassment that, that molds our personalities and makes us often behave in ways that we really don't want to behave. So Swami gives what is actually a very simple technique. If somebody has made a mistake, don't call them on the carpet and make them stand while you sit behind your big desk and say, oh, okay, I heard you did this. I mean, it's just like, what's going to happen after that? That, that what's going to happen is the person is going to panic and either you know start fighting back or saying no I didn't and just like what good is going to come of that Do you have to ask yourself what is my objective what is my real objective here if your objective is to toss your power around and who cares who gets hurt go right ahead because you're just setting yourself up to have to experience all that whatever we don't have compassion for we get to experience so that we can have compassion for it. Now again, it doesn't mean you have to behave inappropriately, but when you accuse or confront, you immediately set up an oppositional energy. And if you really want to help people, you want to start by making a unity. Just as he says, behave as a supportive friend as you would want somebody to behave toward you. And maybe someone has made a very bad mistake. Maybe even they've, you've uncovered some deliberate malfeasance. You know, a lot of people, even people we like and love, do bad things. We do wrong things. And by wrong, I mean something that was not ultimately going to make us happy. Or was just ill-considered, poor judgment. Why did you think you would never get caught? You know, illegal. I mean, just all kinds of things. But if you have to confront someone, first open your heart in kindness And as much as possible, this is something Swami suggests, you know, these are the two eyes of the physical world. At the spiritual eye, there's the eye of wisdom. And all of us operate the medulla at the the base of the brain and the spiritual eye at the point between the eyebrows are the the opposite poles of the sixth chakra, the the same spiritual center in the body. Both of them define our individuality. And our individuality is actually infinite. But as we learn who we really are, um, when individuality is centered at the medulla, the base of the brain, it is the infinite identified with limitation, with the physical body, with the personality that comes with it, with the culture, with the ethnicity, with the job. Which is, it's, we are defined by our limited um, definitions. And when we are centered at the spiritual eye, when our individuality is centered at the spiritual eye, our, our, our unique individual self is identified with our infinite potential. So the whole, the whole of the path is to shift our self-definition from I meaning the limited self to I meaning the infinite self. And, and when we are in a position where we have to talk to someone about something that may be difficult, that may cause them to contract defensively into their limited self-definition to protect what they think of as themselves, one of the most powerful ways to get across that is by helping to draw them to an awareness of myself identified with the infinite. Now, myself identified with the infinite may still have committed all these bad mistakes. But when you're just that little bit away from it, there's no need to defend life, one's, 
one's continuing existence does not depend on defending yourself against this. My continuing existence is with the infinite, and yes, I can observe that my limited self used poor judgment. It's a, it becomes all a matter of proportion. So if you're, if you're having to talk to someone about something you know is going to be difficult and may, may cause them to withdraw a little bit into something even more contractive, concentrate your own attention at the spiritual eye. And even as you look at the person, don't just look into their two eyes. Look also at their spiritual eye, not in a way that makes you seem weird and like you're sort of off on some strange, you know, voodoo sort of thing. But just calmly as you talk to them, be aware of projecting energy from your spiritual eye, projecting energy into their spiritual eye. In other words, energize their higher self. Don't just sort of attack the ego, ego, egoic identified self. Energize their higher self. Energize your higher self. So that when you start the conversation, there's a, a feeling of unity rather than division. And then, as Swamiji says, don't assume, even if you know, don't assume. Don't just say, well, I heard what you did. You say, instead, you know, this, this has happened. Were you involved in that? You know, what part did you play in it? Were you in it? Did you do this? Some people have said, whatever it might be, you try to find the least accusative and least confrontational. So it just allows the person to feel that no matter what they answer, you're on their side. You know, there may be consequences, but you haven't started out as enemies. Now, not everyone will respond to this, but you can do your very best. They'll certainly respond better. You know, did you do this? And then if they say yes, then, then not as an accusatory, why, like that, but genuinely interested. What were you thinking? You know, what, what was it that, what, why, did, why did you make that decision? What were, what were the factors that influenced you? Just, but, and make sure that you are genuinely interested. Do your very best to forget in the moment whatever preconceptions you have. Don't be thinking that this is just to get it out of the way so you can get to the part that you already know about, because people will feel that. They can feel that they're just being manipulated by you. I'm going to pretend to ask you questions. I'm going to pretend to be interested, but I'm really just waiting to cut you in half. No, no, no. Genuinely be interested. How can you know everything? How can you know what a person is thinking? How can you know everything about a situation? It's impossible. If, if you're talking to the person involved for the first time, all you've heard is other people's opinions. And other people can be wrong or confused or well-intentioned, but just having misread it. You really, you really need to know. And also, you're here, you're here to help. So you really want to know. Why did you do it that way? Oh, okay. And, and then... Even if, as Swami says, even if there's no doubt, then that you have to say, well, it's unfortunate that you did make that decision, whatever the answer might be. I wish you'd come and asked me. I can understand why you did that, but it really was, you know, it's not going to work out. Then, but at least you're, you're together. You're moving together. And, and Swami talked about when he was with Yogananda and when, as the guru, Yogananda would sometimes have to scold people strongly and correct them strongly. Swami said even when he did that, you could always feel that he was sorry that he had to do it. He, he regretted the necessity 
of disciplining us. He didn't regret it in the sense that he knew it was going to be good for us, but it gave him no pleasure to be tough like that. And that's what you want your co-workers to feel. It gives me no, no, no pleasure to, to have to do this thing that I know is going to be hard for you. I mean, just think about it. It just makes all the difference in the world. So even if you come to a parting of the ways, even if the results are catastrophic, it hasn't changed the feeling of friendship. Now that may seem like a little, something a little hard to achieve, but it isn't. If we ourselves um, identify ourselves with a greater reality than the little waves of the ocean that we're playing on. The, the waves of the ocean may be separated on the surface, but underneath there is this deeper power. You can be such a blessing to people in the world, even when you're tough. You understand? And, and then also, you can live with yourself. Because you know, I did my best. I wasn't just acting for my petty desire to strut the, uh, strut the power of my ego. I was also operating, I've moved my identity as the boss or the disciplinarian or whatever it is from here to here. Our, our teacher, uh, one, of the teach, one of the men who helped develop our education for life's school system for children within the context of Ananda, our living wisdom schools, we call it the Methodist Education for Life, Ananda schools are called living wisdom schools. Um, he talked about working with children, especially young children. He said, small children don't identify with their own behavior. Things happen, but they don't have a strong sense that just because the lamp got broken, just because the baseball went through the window, just because I, you know, I knocked over the milk and made a mess at the dinner table, it happened, I was there. But they, they see a difference between their behavior and themselves. And he was saying when you, when you discipline and try to teach children, you have to always stand with them and then together work on the behavior. If you separate yourself from the child and treat the child as if he was his behavior, the child is both confused and quite resentful because it, that isn't how he sees it. But if you stand with the child and the two of you recognize that the behavior has to be dealt with, he said, then, then you have a relationship that can take you through many, many hard times, including as the child grows up and begins to identify with his behavior, your love for him, will, he will know that you love him apart from what he does. So adults are just children. That's what I was saying at the beginning. The biggest man was at one, at one point a tiniest baby. The biggest, strongest woman was at one point the tiniest baby. Stand with the person, observe the behavior, make the decisions on the behavior, but as much as possible try to make the person realize this really has nothing to do with our friendship. It has to be dealt with, but our friendship is stands apart. A, a challenging thing, but why not? Never accuse or confront anyone. First, ask him as supportively as possible, did you do it? If he says yes, then ask him why. Give him the benefit of the doubt. If no doubt exists, respect at least his right to make his own mistakes. Thus he will know you for a supportive friend. And isn't that a consideration you yourself would like from everyone? God bless you, my friends. 
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.